there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, the little podcast that could. That is not my normal tagline. I've stolen it because I saw Sean Hayes post this week, happy third anniversary to Smartless, the podcast that he hosts with Jason Bateman and Will Narnett, I think is the third guy. Uh, a runaway success, but uh, Sean posted happy third anniversary to the little podcast that could. And I got a big laugh out of that. But you know what? It's true. Because if those three scrappy underdogs can can make it, then I think there's hope for everybody. Because, boy, they just really started from nowhere, didn't they? Um, <laughs> but they're the little podcast that could. I think I'm going to be the little podcast that would if it could. Or maybe the little podcast that wants to. Um, but for now, I'm going to stick with my old tagline. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Because I love talking to creative people. It really fires me up. Um, and yeah, so I don't have their, their numbers. I don't have their numbers of the smart list, but you know what? I get a lot of joy from it and I love to talk to cool people like my guest today, Corey Sherman. He's a filmmaker, a writer, director. His movie is called Big Boys and it is screening at Outfest on Saturday, July 22nd at 11 in the morning. Uh, I got to watch it and I loved it. It's like a, a sweet coming of age movie. It reminded me of that movie, Eighth Grade. And it has a breakout performance by a young actor named Isaac Krasner, who is just magical. Um, I loved it. It was so full of heart and humor. And um, I was very inspired by it and so happy and excited to talk to Corey. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Chevrolet. No, it's not. It's it, There's no sponsors. It's just me. Um, but you know what? I do have two side hustles that are sort of like sponsors, right? Um, I host virtual game nights at youdon'tknowmylife.com for company team buildings or faraway friend groups, things like that over Zoom. It's a delightful thing to do. And uh, you can learn about that at youdon'tknowmylife.com. Also, the box game is on Amazon. It's based on a box game that I co-created with my friend Jeb Havens. Perfect summertime around the campfire kind of game. So check that out. You can get it on Amazon. I also have a, another business called LifeCast where I interview people about their lives, kind of like a legacy uh, audio heirloom, if you will. Say your parents are getting up there in age. You want to get their story down for posterity. They don't feel like writing a memoir. Let me talk to them for a couple hours and create this cool audio thing with music and everything. And you can learn about that at getalifecast.com. All right. I think that's enough for the plugs. Oh, wait. No, it's not. You can listen to this podcast two ways. You can listen as you always do, or you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. I'm part of a group of shows under the DNR banner, and for a monthly subscription fee, you get my show early, and you get all these other great shows. So you can learn about that at dnrstudios.com. Also, I have a virtual tip jar. If you like what you hear and you want to help me cover my expenses, you can go to dennisanyone.net, and there's a donate button there, and you can help cover my expenses. I love it. Through PayPal, whatever. I'll take candy bars, Chili's gift cards. I love Chili's. That's a, don't get me started on how good those chips are. Anyway, that's enough for the plugs. Here now is the interview with Corey Sherman. Joining me now via Zoom from Los Angeles, it's Corey Sherman, the writer, director, co-editor, and producer of Big Boys, which is playing at Outfest. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I loved your movie so much. It really brought back this feeling of when you're in that awkward age, like 14 and an adult shines on you and how good that feels, even if they just pay attention to you in a way. And 
I like, I just, I got all the feels from it and I'm excited to talk to you about it. So to start, why don't you just tell people that know nothing about your movie, what it's about? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad the movie worked for you in that way. The, the big boys is about a 14 year old uh, boy named Jamie who goes on a camp trip with his older cousin and she brings along her new boyfriend and he sort of becomes obsessed with this guy. He just thinks he's really cool. He wants to hang out with him. He wants to cook burgers with him. He wants to be his best friend until he realizes like, Oh wait, I think something more is going on here. I actually think I have a huge crush on this guy and I think I might be gay. And then it's about the rest of the camping weekend as he's wrestling with those feelings and trying to figure himself out and also try to get closer to this guy. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's just about that moment in your life when, you know, you're a young queer person and figuring out who you are and, and coming to terms with your own sexuality and really coming out to yourself before you're, you're quite ready to come out to anybody else. Yeah, I look back and there was a period in high school where there were certain guys I wanted to be friends with. Like, I want to really, I really want to be their friend. And I didn't think of it in terms of an attraction, but it was looking back, of course it was. But it was like, I just wanted to know them better. I just wanted them to, I wanted to be in their lives. And there was like a list and I'm like, you know, as I was, I was trying to make that happen. Um, what was the germ of the idea? Where did the beginning of this start? I mean, really from what you just talked about, like that exact feeling of like, why do I just want to be best friends with this guy? And I, it's like you said, like, I just want to be close to him. And it was, and that sort of, turning point where I was like, oh, something else is going on here. The call is really coming from inside the house on this one. Right. And when you start to, you know, basically your sexuality becomes undeniable to you at a certain point. And then where do you go from there? Like there's a lot of internal backlash to that. Like maybe, maybe I'm just gay for a year, but I won't be gay next year. Like, you know, this sort of like mental gymnastics you do when you're figuring out like the repercussions of this, when all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is real and I'm going to have to deal with this now. But then there's also the flip side of that, which is how exciting that time in your life is because you find this thing that you've been sort of, or at least I felt afraid of and had been resisting for a while, I finally let myself just accept. I was like, okay, this is who I am. And that's really thrilling because I am so excited. Like I love men. <laughs> like I, I, I want, like I, I, you know, like that, like coming into that identity and the joy and the excitement of connecting with other guys and imagining a future where I could be happy and safe and fulfilled with another man. Like letting myself go there mentally was just like a huge step for me. And so I really wanted to make a movie about that exact turning point and the emotional roller coaster that comes with it. And also just, you know, how sometimes that moment in your life is not super tidy in a way that I feel like I've seen in a lot of movies where it's more messy. I mean, it's not like Jamie falls in love with a boy who falls in love with him back and they live happily ever after. It's like he has, he's 14 year old with, an unrequited crush on a straight man who's dating his cousin who's twice his age. And so there's a certain limit. Yeah, to it's, that not, it's not going to be a beautiful thing. It's not Heartstopper. They're not, um, no. we don't get any like Mama Cass music or anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a different story. It was, it excited me to hear you say that you had a feeling of excitement when you put it together because I think we, you're much younger than I am. But I think for me, I, I came of age in the 80s and like, AIDS was a thing and there was religion. So like, so the idea that you could go, oh, wow, this is who I am. And, and it's, it's not all bad. 
That's thrilling. And I, I like hearing that from other people. Not that mine was super tortured, but it certainly wasn't like, oh, goody. <laughs> you know? No, I, I, no my, I, I mean, to be clear, mine was not like, oh, goody either. It was like a <laughs> weird combination of both dread and also real excitement that it took years for it to, for the dread to, to fade away. And for me to be like, oh no, like I can totally just live happily and comfortably this way. I think part of the relief, part of, I guess it was just a relief to stop fighting it after yeah. a while. Yeah. And it was just a wave of comfort and joy that, that came with like just feeling the possibility. I remember a big turning point for me was being like, I, I kept on holding off on the idea of like, I'm actually fully gay until I, the thought occurred to me one day, I was like, Oh, I could see myself being happily married to a man. And like, that was the moment I was like, okay, all right. This I is get it. it. Yeah, yeah. The pieces are coming together and your hero. And I do think he's a hero. The character of Jamie, he he's, there's something like up about him, even though he could, he's never super, um, sad or like he's a he's a he's a fighter he's like trying and i found him very heroic in a way he's a little blumbling and clueless at times but i was like this guy rocks like this guy is he's got something inside him that i really admire in people and um i love that part of his character thank you for saying that i mean i think that's in large part just a testament to isaac krasner's performance as jamie i think he has so much energy and a lot of love to give. He, he suffused this character with love and you can just feel how, how badly Jamie wants to connect with other people and how much joy he takes in moments where he does feel like he achieves that connection. And he has this internal engine that is always driving him forward, regardless of whether or not he even knows where it's going, but he's got these feelings. He wants to be closer to this guy. So he's going to do whatever it takes to get closer to him. Right. And he takes steps and he shows courage, which I thought was really cool. He was never like, well, you know, he was never like down too, too long. He had obstacles, but he was, um, Taking steps, which I loved. You mentioned the actor, Isaac Krasner. What a discovery. Like, he's like one of those young performers like Alicia Silverstone and Clueless, where you just kind of, they feel like miracles on the screen. How did you find him? I completely agree. I uh, We worked with a great casting director. Her name's Christy Lugo. And we put out a nationwide casting call uh, for Jamie's. And he was the first tape we watched. I mean, it was pretty remarkable. Um, I remember Allison Tate, uh, our producer, and I just, you know, sort of marveling that night. I was like, wow, he can, just from his self-tape, like, he can really carry the scene. Like, we feel so clued into what's going on in his head. And he's so entertaining to watch. He's got such a strong sense of humor. And it was just, you know, nobody ever really even came close to how alive he felt on screen. He is so special, but it's also one of those things when you're trying to get the movie made of like, we got to make this now because he's going to, his voice is going to be different in three minutes. Right. And do you know right. what I mean? Was there an urgency around that once you locked into who you wanted to cast? Yeah. I mean, there were, there, we were already planning, like we, we cast him for about four months before we started filming. And um, yeah, there definitely was a sense of like, it is now or never, like we need to make sure we pull, pull, everything together in time because yeah, there's like sort of like a short window where he a could read as um, 14 because Isaac was 16 when we filmed. Um, And also, yeah, I mean, he's just at that perfect spot where he just had such a, 
it, he, his, his, uh, his whole energy felt so tight, like so deeply tapped into this character, um, in a way that felt very magical and, um, yeah, I feel very grateful that we worked with him on this movie. Right, and he has sort of a higher-pitched voice in the movie, and it pro- that's probably maybe different, you know, now than it was. It is different now, yeah, yeah. His voice has dropped. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was like that, that, that perfect moment. What I really loved also about his character and the performance is the dialogue that he said. It was so well-observed for somebody that age, and it almost felt... Like, I don't know if I could have written that if I had tried to write that. He, like, he would say things like, how do you spice them about the hamburgers? Or like something that was a little sophisticated, but also a little clueless in the same sentence. And there was line after line like that where you just got it. What was it like writing his dialogue? How did you come at that? Thank you for saying that. Um, you know what I'm talking I about, think, though, right? Of course. It's like yeah. oh, I mean, I appreci- only because it's a little precocious. It's a little smart. He's yes. read some oh, books. Yeah. He's watched some things. <laughs> totally, but then the, totally. the, the adjective would be weird or like or it would be a little like it's a little stilted, little stilted. Right. And he his delivery, but also the way those lines were written. Um, magical. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, a lot of the writing was remembering how I spoke at that time and to, and to a certain extent still speak, which is like sort of fancying myself being more mature than yes. I really am and loving that, that identity of being a little wise beyond my years, yes. you know, a bit, of a, a bit of an old soul. And I think yes. that um, there's that, that you feel that effort behind Jamie's words to come yeah. off a certain way. And I think that, I always knew I wanted the character to be sort of performative in that way. Yes. And I think that Isaac is so good. Oh. It's a really hard thing to to play for an actor, I think, to play a character who's sort of playing a character. And I think that Isaac gave us those layers of like what he what Jamie's feeling and then also how Jamie wants to be perceived. Um, and it's just, I agree. It's like so hypnotic to watch him in those scenes. It's so funny. Um, and I think that. Uh, I definitely got the character to a certain place with the script, but he did a lot of improv and he would reword things sometimes or tell me, you know, like, I think Jamie wouldn't say this or he would say this a little differently. And he was always adding flourishes to it that were just so fun to play around with in the edit. I also love this, that he's not somebody that's considered cool at school, probably, but he also, especially with his brother, he look. He can look around and go, these are a bunch of idiots. Like, he could feel sort of superior to some of the young people around him. Like, he fancies himself a, a, a more thoughtful person. And that comes across, too, in the performance. And that, that makes makes me smile and laugh. Um, That's funny. The actor that plays the brother is perfect, because he's a certain kind of a <laughs> dick brother. Um, it's also performing, trying to yeah, see yeah, than yeah. he is, but a totally different kind. Um and uh, I understand he was, was that actor in Pen 15? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's Sam in Pen 15. Because I know that was a touchstone for you, right? Like, can you talk a little yes. bit about some of the, the things you were thinking about when you were approaching your movie, some of the other works? Yeah, totally. Uh, well, at first, I just want to say I completely agree with you. Taj Cross is incredible as Will. And for a character who is trying to come off as sort of hard and opaque as he is, he lets so much, just like so many glimmers of emotion and insecurity through that makes that character feel so much richer. Yes. Um, and I think Taj has a real gift for conveying... Um, like, like essentially just like warmth and humanity in whatever character he plays. Like you just see his internal life. And right. You know that in the right situation, 
he would be a good brother. But he yeah. just can't, he's just trying to create this cool character and part of it is terrorizing his little brother, you know? Yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of, like, other touchdowns for the movie, I mean, a, a huge one was Eighth Grade, the Bo Burnham movie. Yeah, sensational. That, yeah. Uh, Lady Bird is one of my favorite movies that I also feel is, like, it's so well-observed, just, right. like, the details of adolescence. Um, uh, another really big one was Boyhood. I'm, I think Richard Linklater is my favorite director and the way that that movie just like pays attention to and sort of celebrates really small details of life. Um, and then there was, a, there's another movie called the return, this Russian movie about two boys who go on a camping trip with their dad um, that just captures like the sibling experience. So, right. so well. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. There was a ton of, I mean, I would, I would say Miyazaki movies, like, Miyazaki movies were like my first ever just like movie love. And I think that they have such a warmth and also they, they give their young characters so much complexity um, and such a internal life that isn't just sort of like a chipper sort of like flattened version of a child, but is like a child going through like a real roller coaster of emotions. And I really wanted to borrow as much from that as we could as well. Yeah. One of the things that the movie captures is when an adult that you think is cool shines on you as a kid, yeah. whether you're attracted to them or not, or they just sort of take you seriously in a way, it's, it's, it's electrifying. It's so life-changing. And that's what happens with the boyfriend. He sort of, he could see what it would mean to him to sort of favor him over the older brother or something in the game that they play or whatever. It's that feeling of when, that, when the cool adult thinks you're cool. Ugh, what's better than that? Um, I, yeah, you're telling me. Yeah. How were you like Jamie when you were growing up? What's, what of you was in there? Well, I mean, what you just said was a big part of it. Like that I was, you know, I have an older brother ever since I was like, my first word was literally his name, Ben. Um, like I have always been really drawn to sort of like the power of like older people that, see you know that have a sort of confidence and an intelligence to them and wanting to be close to them and i think that jamie really has that element of because he sort of you know fancies himself sort of a mature person and he is mature in a lot of ways and he wants like it's very i think exciting to him have that a approval and that validation um from somebody who is older i think that makes him feel a lot better about himself particularly when he might not be getting that feeling from his own peers um and that was something that like i think for better or for worse i was like a and still am like a, a people pleaser like i i feel like that particularly as a kid, it was very naked because you're just developing your social skills and you haven't learned how to hide it as much. But that desire to just make a good impression on people and be loved. I mean, it's something obviously everybody feels. I think that the way that I relate to Jamie is just the way that he puts that effort so nakedly out there. He's not even trying to pretend to be too cool. Right. He's like, I, I love you and I want you to love me too. Right. Um, and that was something I was really excited to put in a main character. Yeah, I mean, also just like that, this sort of, in the the infatuation that was something that I got really swept up in as a kid and was like a big, um, was, you know, was obviously exhilarating, but then it could also be very isolating because oftentimes the object of my infatuation was not interested in me in that way. And I felt a real sort of like, 
I guess just like a very like silent and quiet in terms of what was happening inside me. And I didn't want to let it out and I wanted to keep it hidden. I wanted to figure it out on my own. And I think that I relate to Jamie a lot in that way where it's like what he's going through, he's trying to keep hidden and he's trying to keep a cool, calm surface. Um, and you know, the, the loneliness that he experienced is pretty intense for that reason. And that's something I really remember feeling at that time, um, which was frustrating because it was a simultaneously a feeling of like, I'm, I'm kind of trapped, but I'm also so excited for the day when I'm out of this trap. And like, I can, these men that I'm obsessed with that I just want to be close to, I can finally be close to them. So I wanted the movie to sort of have that dual feeling of loneliness, but also real um, like joy and excitement. When I look back on my life, there are relationships that were formative for me, that were big deals, but they were not requited. We didn't get together. Yeah. It didn't happen. Yeah. And sometimes when people talk about relationships, I, I feel like, oh, well, that I guess it doesn't really count because they weren't that into me. <laughs> but this is, but this yeah. shows that, that it doesn't have to be um, a fully requited romantic sexual love affair to change a person. It can just be the right person at the totally. right time, and it can be what's going on inside you. And I, I haven't seen that depicted a lot, and I appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly that was exactly the goal. And it didn't and it didn't play like, oh well that didn't work out. It was a bummer because it was never gonna happen. He's 14. Yeah. He's, he's a straight grown man. Um talk to me yeah. about the title, uh, uh, Big Boys, because it comes up when they're playing taboo in a really clever way. Um, but I think it's uh you obviously had some intention around it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the movie was always going to be about a heavier kid and a heavier kid being attracted to a big guy. Because that was my own experience, and it was something that I felt like I hadn't really seen on screen before. Because, you know, the bigger characters usually portrayed as the butt of the joke or the sidekick. There's something a little bit sort of neutered about them, um, where they don't get to have a romance or a sort of like trust in somebody. Um, and if they do, then it's going to be towards someone who's probably the opposite body type to them. And I wanted Jamie to be a big guy who likes big guys. And I wanted the movie to celebrate him as a three-dimensional, fully formed character with his own unique qualities and sense of humor that don't have anything to do with his weight. And so we can just appreciate him as a character that isn't defined by that. But And for him to have an attraction to bigger guys and see the value sort of in bigger bodies through the way that Dan is holds himself with real confidence. And Jamie sees like, oh, I can do that in the same... You know, I, I could feel one day about my own body like that. And also for the movie to portray Dan in a flattering, attractive light because that's how Jamie sees him. And I wanted the movie... And Jamie, part of what Jamie finds attractive about Dan is that he's a big guy. And that was something I also felt like I just hadn't seen a ton of in movies where it's just sort of earnestly portrayed as like, yeah, a big guy is the object of affection and 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 he looks good. Um, I have a confession just to make. It, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one moment where Jamie's following... Um, Dan behind behind Dan on the trail and there's a shot of yeah. Dan's back and the way the yeah. light's hitting it and the slope I'm like I'm gonna rewind, <laughs> rewind it. <laughs> I had to watch it twice that little it was just like oh because you saw him through Matt's uh, you saw him through Jamie's eyes right yeah and you're like oh yeah, yeah. so mission accomplished oh, I'm is my so point glad. yeah you know you know yeah. yeah and Dan is sexy man that dude is hot um, <laughs> and sweet he had a sweetness to him like I yeah, I yeah. get it I wish he was my cousin's older boyfriend. Um, talk to me about camping. Are you into it? Cause I want to be into it. I wasn't into it as a kid. Cause it was like a, 
scouting thing and I wasn't that boy, but I was trying to pretend sure. to be. But now as an adult, I'm like, I think I could get into nature and do that, but I haven't pulled it's the really trigger. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I did not do it as a kid either. Uh, my family, I don't think we ever, ever spent a single night camping together. But we, I, like, I, during the pandemic, I went camping with um, my ex boyfriend, Peter, and I found it was like a really nice way to enjoy nature that wasn't like physically strenuous. Like, I sort of resent this idea that nature, being in nature is inherently exercising. Right. And I like this idea that like you can just hang out on a hammock and like look up at a tree, and that's just as much in nature. Um, but it's, it's like very comfortable and kind yeah. of cozy. And I, when I, experienced that particularly through like these pretty romantic trips, like just me and Peter, like, I think that I sort of fell in love with it as like, um, yeah, a way to relax and unwind. And also the idea of like, Oh, like setting a movie in a place that sort of, there is something just inherently romantic about camping. And I wanted Jamie to be having a, he's having a version of a romantic experience, even if it isn't the kind that we're, we're used to seeing. Um, and it was also something that was, you know, I thought it would be a cool setting for a story like this because it affords him no privacy. Like he's stuck in a tent yeah. with his brother and he's going through very private, very confusing feelings. And to try to be holding all that inside while just like fully exposed at this campsite, yeah. I thought it would be a good contrast. It worked great. You shot at Lake Arrowhead, is that right? Yeah, we shot in that general area, yeah. like somewhat in Lake Arrowhead, but mostly like San Bernardino Mountains. The last time I was there, the lake was like barely there, and I was like, I'm worried about it, but I guess it's doing better now with all the rain. So, oh, shout, that's out, good to hear. shout out to Lake Arrowhead. Um, yeah. I, I love the score of your movie. There were actual vocals on it, which you don't often hear a lot. Talk about that choice and how you came to to do it that way. Yeah, so that's our composer, Will Wiesenfeld, who also makes music under the names Baths and Geotic. And I've been a huge fan of his for 10 years. Um, he is just so good at conveying such a sort of like warmth and a like a fantasy life in his in his music his music ha- it like it very much is like has this swelling sort of lift you off your feet kind of quality um and i knew that i wanted the movie because i wanted the movie to be really naturalistic but to not feel sort of like too slow or silent and so the idea of having music that has this sort of like ethereal sweep you off your feet kind of quality, I thought could just really add a nice element and a nice sort of momentum to the movie. And I was just listening to some of Will's music and he wrote an album that is entirely just like vocals, his own vocals, creating these core, these like choir, like layers. Right. And it had this like very um sort of like first romance sort of like, just fantasy life kind of feeling to it. And when I heard it, it very much clicked into place as like, oh, this could really work well to express what Jamie's feeling inside. And I feel, feel very grateful to have worked with Will on this because I agree that he did just a beautiful job. Yeah, it's sort of youthful and wistful. It's very unique. Is is it his vocals that we hear in the film? It's entirely him, wow. yeah. Because it had that, yeah. remember Glee used to do that? It's totally different. Oh, yes, But they totally, used to do that. Totally. Mama, th- that was much broader, but it had... Sort of, it's sort of the indie cool version of that idea. And I just thought it worked so well. There's a scene in the movie where Jamie is making a list of things that he thinks makes somebody gay, but he doesn't have them. He's trying to figure out who he is with a list. Yeah. And I flash back, oh, I forgot about this. 
there was some period of my adolescence where I was like making goals for myself and I was like, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to, whatever it yeah. is. And one of the, the, I don't, the only thing I remember on that list was this was around the time I started to realize I like looking at guys and I would, I, on this list, oh gosh, here it goes. I no crotch eyeing. I was trying to stop looking at guys' crotches and how I put it on the list is I wrote C and then I drew an I. So if anyone found my, oh my little God. list, they wouldn't know what it is. Um, wow. I tell that story to say that you captured something about this character that I related to, which is like, you're trying to create who you are. You're trying to not do things that you think are bad or whatever. And you're trying to figure stuff out. And sometimes it helps to put things down on paper. Um, yeah, totally. yeah. Where did the list idea come from, I guess, is my question. And also, it's well, okay to look at crotches. I've, I do it. <laughs> yes, now. <laughs> I've, that lasted about two seconds, and yeah. So Good, yeah. good, good. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you've moved on from that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, that was a way of sort of like expressing his internal life and also keeping it very private. Like you said, I mean, I love what you just said about like the detail, not only of writing it down, but writing it down in almost like hieroglyphics. <laughs> like, right. Like just like keeping it so just private for and me. away. Yes. Yes. Like that, that feeling of like total privacy and um, in your head, like was so something that we were trying to capture in this movie. And I think that the list was something that we honestly went through a bunch of different versions of it, but the thing that we ended up landing on, I'm glad it worked for you because yeah, not only is it like him just trying to almost like like calculate it in a way be, that he can feel okay with. Right. Sort of like what I was saying earlier, which is the idea of like, maybe I'll be gay for a year, but then I'll move on. Right. It's like part of these like incremental steps where you ease in. It's like you're dipping your toe in and you are easing in and playing around with the idea and seeing what your, your limits are. Um, and I think another part of that for me was also just like Jamie being at that phase of his life where – he you know he's internalized enough homophobia to the point where he's sort of prizing what he sees as straight appearing right. behavior. Well, I don't do this, mass. but I do do that. I don't remember the things that exactly. were actually on the list. He was like taking yeah. inventory of how gay he was. Um, That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, for the I, sequel, yeah, wanted... you can use no crotch eyeing if you want. You can. You can <laughs> sure. if it becomes a series um, or whatever. I might steal it. Um, so I want to let everyone know your screening at Outfest is Saturday, July twenty second at the DGA One, the Big Room. Um, that's yeah. the best place in LA to see a movie. It's so wonderful. Are you excited? I, I'm so excited. I have you. Yeah, I we uh, I've been there a couple of times when I was in college, but I haven't been since then. And I just remember it being a beautiful room. I can't wait to see it there. Yeah, I was reading your bio. I just have a couple minutes left. I was reading your bio, and you worked yeah, with yeah. Lawrence Caston, who yeah, when I was in yeah. high school and I saw Body Heat, it rocked my world so hard that I <laughs> that I became a member of the fan club. There was a fan club, and you had to mail it. So just tell me he's oh, cool. Wow. Tell me he's cool. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. Oh my God. That was like getting, I edited a documentary that he directed and I, it was such a dream come true to be able to work with him every day and like craft a movie together and hear his advice on things and hear him talk about his career. And he's been incredibly kind and supportive of me ever since then. Um, yeah, he's, he's a real one. Right. I have two questions left for you. One that I often ask at the end of these, so that my listeners are like, oh, he's going to ask the thing, but I have another one after it. So it's not super formulaic. Why do you make movies? That's a good question. Um, I think that I've been thinking about this more recently. I think that um, I love filmmakers who are really 
attuned to just like small details of everyday life. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that like movies are just such a beautiful way of capturing just like reality, just like truly just like the most honest version of like, this is what the world looks like. This is what people actually look like. Um, This is how people talk to one another. And like, I think that movies are so exciting to me because they offer an opportunity to just like capture something in a, in a bottle that is like very mundane. Um, but once you put it in a movie form, it can feel a lot more sort of heightened and capture what it feels like to actually live in the world. And it's just, um, it's, it's such a way to sort of celebrate everyday life in a way that I'm just really excited to continue to do um, as I get older. And all, and also it's a way, like, I sometimes it's harder to be in the present moment and just appreciate the world around you. But I find that watching movies that are all about appreciating the moment and the, the world around you, I can, like, it's easier for me to, like, relax into it and really feel it. Um, and so I hope that I can... Uh, continue to make movies that, that yeah, just celebrate everyday things. Well, you certainly do that with Big Boys. Everybody should try to see it wherever they can. It's also going to be streaming throughout Fest. Um, I'm not sure how wide, you know, geographically that goes, but you can learn about it at outfest.org. Here's my final question. What's a memory of working on this movie that you will remember forever? I mean, I think really it was the scene where they play taboo with each other and Jamie gets up and dances. That I was love just the dancing. Such a, I wrote about, I wrote the dancing on my list. I forgot to ask you. Yes. It was such a joyful moment on set where the actors were really playing taboo together. They were really like laughing and Jamie having a good time. And we had two cameras rolling and it felt like it was, it just felt a little bit more documentary. Like we were capturing the reality and there really was this bond between the actors and this fun that they were having. And it was so exhilarating because we, as the crew were feeding off of that. And then when Jamie gets up and starts dancing, it was like crew members were like dancing behind the camera. Like we, there was such an exhilaration of feeling like we were celebrating this actor and this character. And we were really making the movie that I had dreamt it was and that it was just it was just a perfect perfect moment um yeah that that is one that will will fuel me for years to come well i got i got a little misty thinking about that scene cuz it's so special and funny and alive and he's so free in that moment and yeah, it's, yeah and you're never that free when you're that age right it's it's the opposite of that so congrats again um thank you for doing the interview i hope everybody sees big boys however they can see it especially if you're in la come and see it at outfest uh thank you so much Corey. Thanks. this has been fun thank you for talking to me really it's been great Thanks again to Corey Sherman. Check out his movie, Big Boys, if you're in L.A. It's at OutFest Saturday, July 22nd. It's also available on the virtual film festival through OutFest, which I'm not sure how far the reach of that is geographically, but you can learn about it at OutFest.org. All right, so this happened. Um, Did anybody else watch the Wham! documentary on HBO Um, about the group Wham! with George Michael and Andrew Ridgely from the 80s? Um, I watched it with some friends in my place, and I loved it. Boy, did it bring back memories. Um, in 1983, I was in Arizona State University. We went on a choir tour to England, Scotland, and Wales. And I bought the cassette of Spandau Ballet's True Album, which I wore out when I came home, and the 45 of Bad Boys by Wham. 
Uh, I don't think they had an album yet. yet. So I came back to the States and I'm like, these guys are going to be huge. I was obsessed, right? Telling everyone, all my friends, bad boys, wham, all of it. And it took a while for wham to happen in the U.S. It wasn't until really Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go that they blew up. Um, But I feel like I broke them in the U.S. And and no mention of that in the documentary, but whatever. Um, But um, it was so fun to remember how fun their music was and that they had this astronomical success in four years. It all happened in four years. Um, And I was really touched by Andrew Ridgely's humanity. Like, what a prince, right? Like, he and George Michael were friends from school. And the conventional wisdom has always been that Andrew was sort of coasting on George's talent, that George was the talented one, and what did Andrew do? He's around. He's along for the ride. I even made a joke like that in Misadventures in the 213, where the two main characters, Craig and Dandy, go to a party as Wham, and my alter ego, Craig, is George, and Dandy, who is the more famous one in the context of the story, is Andrew, and nobody... That doesn't make sense to anybody at the party. They're like, wait, you're George? Like, you're the George, you're not the George. So even I made fun of the Andrew Ridgeliness of it all. But this documentary makes clear that if it weren't for Andrew's friendship and his confidence and his ambition, that George Michael would have never become George Michael because he wasn't confident yet. He didn't have that sort of outgoing spirit. He needed Andrew to become George. And that Andrew never got bitter about it, that never looked miffed in interviews, that he was 